Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Welcome back to another episode of Puzzling Company. It is your host, Zach, and always with me is... It's Jared. Hi, Jared. How are you doing today? I'm excited. There's a lot going on right now, and there's a lot of good things happening. I'm in a pleasant, happy vibe right now. Excellent. Me too. We have some amazing things to talk about in this episode. Um, The game we're actually going to be covering is The Cursed Dollhouse. Yes, uh, it is cursed. It is creepy. Very much so. Um, It was definitely... It's interesting. This this game has a community perception that it is very difficult for a mass market game. And it's labeled as expert level. It is. And it'll be interesting to kind of go into it more and talk about how we truly felt about it. I'm excited. Let's get started. Hey everybody, Jared here from Puzzling Company. If you are not aware yet, the Recon or the Reality Escape Conference is coming up August 22nd and 23rd. Well, you're saying to me, you can't go. Nobody can actually get there. It's all online this year. So if you're interested in the tabletop world and escape rooms or anything immersive, there's going to be a wide range of awesome speakers games that you can play, and you can find all the information out about this conference at realityescapecon.com. We're going to be there doing a session. Definitely come check it out. Recon, realityescapecon.com. Well, welcome back, guys. We are now going to start off the episode by doing what we normally do here. Uh, If you haven't been here before, I'm going to cover it for you. In this first part, this is kind of a part for me and Jared to discuss the game at hand, which for this episode is the Cursed Dollhouse. We'll kind of go back and forth and kind of discuss our likes for the game, as well as things that we thought, you know, in any not in any mean way, just as criticism, you know, because we want what's best for the community, as well as what we think could help, uh, is give our rooms for improvement for the game. So, uh, Jared, I'm actually going to send it to you for the first like. What do we like about this game? I want to talk about the game a little bit, if that's okay with you first. Just how dare you? How dare I? I don't want to. I don't want to just rush into it. You know. Okay. Uh, so, if you are not familiar with this game, it's called the Cursed Dollhouse, mm-hmm. and not only is it just called Dollhouse, you are literally building a dollhouse. That's the first thing you do. So, yes. Zach, the day before that we played the game. He actually took 30 minutes and put this bad boy together, put all of the little tangibles in each of the rooms. And I'm side note, I'm kind of glad that we did that so that when we, the day that we actually got to play it, we could just hop right into it. We didn't have to construct anything, but this is a uh, labeled uh, according to the company that makes this, which is think fun, a expert level game. Mm -hmm. It is supposed to be more hard and has an interesting perception in the community some people just think this is way too difficult. New, I've heard that from new players like, oh, stay away from this game. It's just too hard. And, and or, oh, it just doesn't make sense. Da, 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 da. And that just wasn't our perception of the game. So we're going to be digging into that over the course of this section and the next. But I, I want to dive into now what Zach was opening us about with is what we liked. And the first thing that we loved about this is the fact that we got to interact in a physical space. Mm-hmm. And all of the tangible puzzles and interactables that came in that. If you've heard me on this podcast say anything you know, I'm a sucker for these things. I love it, right? Because 
and the at-home world, oftentimes you're dealing with paper. That's not a knock on it. We play these games all the time. But when, once you give me something outside of that realm, I get very excited. But then you have to capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this game did a good job of that, Zach. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we said it best at, when we were actually playing the game. This is one of the only games we've played in a long time that felt like a pure escape room feel. Yes. Because it just felt like the entire game, there was the tangible aspect of an escape room. And the style of puzzling you kind of did kind of matches that. You're trying to open up doors. You're trying to move through the house. All that kind of jazz. It was it was a lot of fun. It actually ended up being, I'll be honest, when I went into it, you know, here in the community perception, it, it intrigues you, right, of how the game's going to f- actually play. We played it. I, I think both of us had a blast just messing with all, all of the stuff in the game. Yeah, I would agree. We had a very enjoyable time and the interactables, the tangible items played a huge role in that because it did like more than any other game that we have played thus far. This felt like an escape room. Mm -hmm. We've had other puzzles that share that. But once you are getting to touch and interact and feel and not only that, but use the room. Yep. Right. Like we were if you ever see the dollhouse, it is four rooms and then an attic, which is the fifth room. And there's stuff on the wall and you cannot solve this game without using the physical space that you're in. And that's to me what an escape room is. Yeah. You get a physical set to actually look at, which was really interesting to deal with. Yes. Considering other games, you really don't have a physical, like sometimes you get presented a physical set to a degree, but this is the game where you played it entirely in the physical set. Yes. And I was thinking the whole time too, if this was an actual escape room, mm-hmm. how would I enjoy it? Mm-hmm. And I think this could be blown up and it would play as a good escape room. Yeah. It could. Right. Like I'm thinking through some of the things that we got to do. And obviously it would have to be modified because some of it was set up for space and whatnot. Agreed. But some of the puzzles would actually play really well, given the inputs that you're working towards. Mm-hmm. And I just think overall, the concept of moving these games into physical spaces is just awesome. If you listen to our second episode, we talked about the break-in series. We talked about the Alcatraz game. They are also the puzzle people behind that game as well. And you can tell they're doing really creative, fun things in moving at-home escape room style games to really involve that tangibility. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. If they built another house like this, edited it a little bit, gave us a different theme, I'm all in. I'm all in. Zach, what is the, what is the second thing that we really enjoyed about this game? Uh, I think we really enjoyed the degree of difficulty to the game as well as the booklet and other items that kind of came with it. So kind of kind of go into that. Um, when you are presented the game and you build the set, you are also given a, a booklet um, that has instructions for you how to set up everything, which is really nice. It goes into very good detail. They also have website links to help kind of either fix up the game if you sometimes, you know, if you bought someone else's or if you want to like reset it, all that kind of jazz. It also lets you give more material. So if you want to play it again at some point, you can literally just re-download and print off the items you were missing. It was all very well done in that category. Um, the booklet also serves as a driving point for the narrative that goes with the game. So as an example, because I don't want to spoil any of the narrative other than uh, you are in a cursed dollhouse, um, is that, you know, an example would be that you get a story narrative of why you are going to explore the space you're currently in, how you get to the cursed dollhouse, you know, and then you get in the fun part with that, too, is that the narrative directly involves into the clues. It is clearly stated in the book and in some of the clues that you are required to kind of look at everything. 
because there are pieces of information that in the narrative, either a, a doll from the dollhouse will speak and say very clearly, you should pay attention to this. Or there's just a small hint of how you're supposed to set something up in there. And it was really fun to go back and forth and like read the book and be like, wait a minute. They said this like twice. That's not, that can't be an inconvenience that they say it twice very clearly. Cause you know, then we did a puzzle that involved it and you're like, ah, oh, that makes sense. That's how we organize it. It worked out well because I don't know how you felt about it. We haven't talked about this yet. When I saw the set, I got really excited. But when I saw the booklet at first, I was like, oh, like, sure. Yeah. We're going to have to do a lot of reading. Generally, escape rooms are not about reading. reading. Yeah. Uh, this is going to take away from the game. And I don't feel like it did. Like, I don't it, think at all it enhanced it. Yeah, it enhanced it. It was very necessary. And it really gave each room that you were in a setup and its own flavor apart from the physical components that you were working well, you, with. Yeah, the other fun part is that each room invited new information to the narrative. It, it ever evolved. It was, you know, you're in the first room, you really have no idea what's going on other than the revelation of why you're there. You know, and then the second room kind of builds on it, but introduces a new character. And you do that literally the entire game. You get spoo- like you get fed new information and new characters that play into it. And the other part that I don't want to miss that I really liked about the book as well um, was there was a lot of really well done art that slowly when you play it, I won't spoil what happens, but the art ever evolves as well. Yes. And it was quite hilarious to try to mess with Jared with it. There's just a host of details in this game that we really appreciated. Yes. Some creepy factors that clearly they got to sneak into the game that Mm -hmm. uh, if you're paying attention it doesn't affect the overall narrative or gameplay, but just like a fun appreciation of like, oh, you like took the time to really think about this. Mm-hmm. Like I would, uh, if you're ever playing, there's a doll piece that is not pertinent to the puzzle material, but there's something very creepy about it beyond the fact that it's a doll and it talks through the booklet throughout the game. Yep. So just fun things like that that they did just a really good use of space degree of difficulty in the booklet just really was kind of the glue that pulled it all together. Mm-hmm. So Jerry, what did you think was another thing we really liked? Well, you know how much you and I love to talk about hint systems. That's true. And we just believe it is a very key aspect of a game because you're not always going to know everything. True. A puzzle, even with the best puzzlers is not going to land And the point of these games is not to be competitive or beat you down, but to have fun. So we're pretty adept at figuring out what's a good hint system and what's not. I liked this one a lot. It had images. You could go on digitally and click on a room. And then it gave you a tiered hint system with just the flat out answer if you needed it with visuals the entire time. Because again, a lot of these puzzles are more tangible based and more visual based especially when you're looking at the cipher wheel that you are working through, you are working through symbols. You are not working through numbers, letters, throw all of that out the window. It needed to be a visual system and it worked out to be a visual system. What else did you like about it, Zach? I mean, I think you said a lot of it. It, I, I just think the quality was top notch. I, we've had seen a lot of tiered hint systems that were very good. It literally brought the escape room feel. You could interact with it. You, you like you said, you clicked a room, but you could click the puzzle you wanted. And then, like you said, you get like a tiered hint system and you get visuals. You get a video that shows you like how the movement's supposed to go on this. 
it was just all very well done. There was never a point that I felt like the Henson system when we looked at it was like flawed in any way. It almost was like better than I expected. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I almost expected that even if there was a tiered Henson system, it was going to be just text and, I, you know, like click on, which that's a lot of them and they're great. I'm not saying that in any bad degree, but it was really cool to see the above and beyond like technological aspects of having this interactable space that you click with and click on the items and give you more and more to kind of get even a more visual idea of what you were trying to yeah, do. Yeah, they it felt like they went the extra mile when they didn't have to. Yeah. And and I think it benefited players because Oh, greatly. We're not we're actually not going to talk about Amazon reviews in the next section, but if you go look on Amazon, this game still has a 4.5 out of 5 stars mm-hmm. with a lot of ratings behind that. Three people haven't played this game. Thousands of people have played this game. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. It was just really well done. I think it is a great system for mass market. It does ask people to go online. So internet connectivity and all of that could be an issue, but overall it was just really well. And to kind of sum up what we've talked about for the likes, I think we just really enjoyed it. Like it was tougher. Zach and I tend to like things a little tougher that, that intrigues us a little more. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk about that more in the next section. But first, We've got to talk about where we felt like there were some room for improvements with this game. So, Zach, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so I think the first thing we wanted to discuss was actually the final puzzle. And honestly, I wouldn't say it was the the idea or the design of the final puzzle. It is more the materials that you are using to do the final puzzle. Um, obviously, we won't go much into it um, because if you do want to play it, I think it's a fun final puzzle to kind of look at and see what you're trying to do with it. Um, but... Because it is a mass market game and, you know, I mean, I understand that they want a certain amount of money they want to put into it without, you know, being parts cheaper. It completely makes sense. Um, it is an interesting discussion to have with the creators when, you know, that do mass market about this kind of stuff. But the the thing you need just kind of requires you to manipulate the item a lot. A lot. A lot. Um, to overlap certain pieces on, like, over, under, outside, you know, like, and because of the material, it just was hard to do. It, it like Jared tried doing it for like 10 minutes and it was just an awkward thing that we knew exactly what we were trying to do. Like we had all the information. It wasn't like a, a question of like, we had no idea. Yes. It was clearly a, we know how to do this, but because of the material, it made it either. It was more difficult or in my opinion was just annoying. Like it was kind of like, it's the thing you like did it and we are like, we're so close, but because of like how the, the it's paper material, it just like didn't work. And then you're like, Come on, man. Like, we know it. Like, you're just sitting there like, please, I just want to be done. And I, I because it, it models what's supposed to be like a leather material. Yes. But it's paper. Correct. And it it is a great puzzle in principle. Yes. Just not in execution. But I also want to give a shout out here because going back to our, what we talked about in the positives, we had a hint system that let us just look at the final answer And that's why I'm so keen on hint systems that tier and then just flat out tell you or show you the right answer. Mm -hmm. Because here's a great example. You and I would have had to get like little tweezers, I feel like, and make this thing work in order to get it right. And we would have spent a lot of time doing it. We didn't want to do that. We knew in full honesty that we knew what to do, just couldn't do it or it wasn't worth our frustration. Yeah, it was more, I didn't want to spend 20 minutes trying to perfect the final puzzle. Yes. When when we knew clearly what we were trying to right. achieve since so, minute one. So we used the great hint system. That's true. And it alleviated some of the frustration. It did. So I'm, I'm all for that. Like, mm-hmm. this is a room for improvement. Like, 
material puzzle intersection needs some improvement there, but also major shout out like the system works guys, the system works. Like that is a perfect example of that. Uh, just, and it just made us laugh. Like I, I would have been more frustrated if the hint system wouldn't have had been as in depth Mm -hmm. in that situation. Agreed. Um, but one thing with that, and I think this is a great example, our second critique is where we always want to tell people, like, don't play this game or this may not be your game. If if you don't like physical manipulatables, this is not your game. This game is literally filled to the brim with them. Yes. Some, some that you borrow sensibilities from very puzzles that you're common with just in like a regular setting. Mm-hmm. There's one in particular that I fiddled with for a very long time. That's true. And then Zach was like, oh, yeah, this, this, and this. I was like, ah, oh, freaking Zach. Like, but, but it is that sensibility that you are going to be using items, and it's not code breaking. Yeah. So if that is not your forte, if you get very frustrated with that, this may not be your game, and just be prepared for that if you are willing to pick that up. Mm-hmm. But as for Zach and I, like, that's our thing. Like that's one, I would say like, that's one of our wheelhouses. That's what we enjoy. Me, me specifically. I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it was good for us, but we just want to throw that out there to say like, Hey, be aware of that. That's what this game is. 60, 70% of Zach. What is, uh, what is the last thing that we wanted to talk about? You know, like when you play an escape room and there's just like that thing that always feels to appear. And it's hilarious, right? It could be something small or big. How do you feel about black lights? Because, you know, nothing's more interesting than playing this cursed dollhouse and going through the game and then randomly stumbling upon a black light and being like, all right, go <laughs> find find items, my child. It's just so funny to me. Like, I it just cracks me up every time it just exists in escape rooms. Like it's like everybody had this idea because black light and invisible ink is so cool. Yep. It's like. Let's stick a black light in there. What if we just black light? What if we just black light? So it was really funny that the trope exists at home too, not just in physical escape rooms. There is a small black light that you use in this small escape room. I just love when we got it too. It felt so like, because most of the material you get do not come in the actual game material. Like they're all separated at the beginning and different like things. But nothing was funnier than opening up the item we did and finding a bunch of clue items and then just a random and black light. Black light. <laughs> and I was like, oh, black light. <laughs> I know what I'm doing with this. I know. And and the puzzles worked decently with that. Yeah. But it, it's just still one of those things. It's like there's no reason for it in, t- it in terms of the narrative. And, and it's such a dividing factor in the escape room world. Like random black light. It's just a thing. Like yeah. some people hate it. Some people love it. Um, but it has existed since, you know, the beginning of escape rooms. And here we are in 2021 and it's like, oh, okay. Like smaller, cool little escape room, random black light. <laughs> like it's just, it's just funny. It was funny. And I, I admit some of the puzzles that we did with it, I really enjoyed. They were, they were used. There was one I really special. liked a lot. Um, but it, it's, it just has to be brought up and laughed at. Yep. And uh, the only real critique is like, give a reason for it. Find me a reason in an escape room where the black light matters. Like, oh, you're a crime scene investigators. And oh, we found some anonymous liquids on something. Zach's face right now. Like, you tell me what's a good story hey, reason. Let's look for some anonymous liquids. <laughs> hey, there's some stainage on these sheets. Like, what do you like? The, go- the ghost wrote on the wall. Let's, let's look at it. 
Yeah, conveniently, I just <laughs> I saw some liquids in the wall. Dude, they're black lights. I just that's just a critique of the escape room in general, of the sure. escape room world in general, and it was so funny to find it on a micro scale too. Jared did laugh pretty long when we found it, and I was very confused for a bit. I was just like, no way, no, <laughs> no, no way. way. <laughs> but but overall, again, uh, beyond the final puzzle. We had very limited critiques for this game. Yeah. I think because we come from an escape room world and we like a higher degree of difficulty, we really enjoyed this game. Yep. And found that it was something that we would enjoy playing in the future. But again, it may not be your thing. This does follow more of an escape room feel. If that's not your feel, just be aware of that Mm -hmm. when you get into the game. But we would recommend it. I would say go play this game purely for the uniqueness of the physical space that you're going to interact with. And quite frankly, I just want to give a shout out to Nick Moran and Spectre and Vox and say games like this get me so excited to put that thing together and play. When Spectre and Vox comes out, I am. Yeah, I think the feeling I had when I built that building the cursed dollhouse is going to be amplified to a major degree. Yes. And I hope more people do this. Agreed. I hope more people give us physical spaces to explore at home because it is unique. And I don't even care if it becomes like the commonplace, make it the commonplace. It gets, Mm -hmm. it it gets me excited, but that is uh, that's going to wrap us up for this. Hang on. We've got puzzles to the people coming at you next. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Hey, do you like immersion? Well, I have the thing for you. If you go to Recon, which is Reality Escape Convention, here in August, August 22nd and the 23rd of the year 2021, you can see many things that involve immersion as well as other types of escape from reality. Things such as at-home puzzle games, escape rooms, so on and so forth. It's really a great place to kind of learn even more about the industry and kind of see what people are up to, as well as there's some really cool workshops to get more information about it. So if you like those things and you potentially even want to see us there, because guess what? We do have a panel there and you'll get to see ourselves as well as some other amazing creators. If you like all those things, make sure you guys check out Reality Escape Convention this year, which is August 22nd, 23rd of 2021. If you want more information about it, uh, you can just text me. No, just kidding. Don't do that. Um, If you want more information, please go to realityescapecon.com. That is a great place to get even more information. And hopefully I'll see you there. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are in the section of the show now that we call puzzles to the people. Sometimes we look at reviews, we take feedback from the community, or sometimes just as puzzly people, we ask the big questions, Zach. And we try to dig into some of the different frameworks and questions that make our industry tick. And today we're diving into that once again. But there's a change. I only have one question for you. Wait, there's only one question? There is only one question, Zach. Okay, am I going to talk about this for like But 15? there's many parts of it. Oh. Many parts of oh, it. Oh, a loaded question. Excellent. I'm it is a these. loaded question. So a question that has 15 questions built into it. Pretty much, yes. Okay. Just a, a spirited back and forth between two hosts, coworkers. Some might even say friends. I don't know if I would say that. Wait, some outside people might say that. Uh, are we not friends? We'll leave that to the community at large. Wait, no, Jared, this is not a this is not a. Qu- Jared, I'm going to question everything we've ever done. <laughs> this is coming into mind now. No, I would say we were friends. Excellent. 
we have talked about difficulty in past episodes. Mm -hmm. I want to talk specifically about difficulty as it pertains to this game. Okay. If I asked you the question, and I want us to kind of dissect this, because I know we had a long conversation about this right after we played the game. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you the question, what makes this game difficult? What are the different factors that you would attribute to that? And are they factors that are legitimized in saying this is a good difficult, not a this is difficult because it makes no sense or fill in your blank for other reason that it's a bad difficult. So let's start with the first part, which is what makes this game difficult? I think there's a lot of different things that attribute to the difficulty of this game. I think the first thing would generally be the puzzle design um, and not in terms of like how the material works. You know, it's not like the material's fault, but more of like a, it's a difficult puzzle. It's a, it's a puzzle that you have to connect like three different items to, um, you know, and you have to be able to analyze a certain detail, you know, that might be small on one piece of information and kind of make that connection to another piece that's, you know, might be somewhere completely else. You know, we ran into some more difficult puzzles just in that part. You know, I think the other part that can add to the difficulty of the game would be the material in terms of like building it because some clues you have to build the puzzle almost you you're given like pieces of the the items you need and then you have to connect it all together and build it out to look at it even more and that's quite difficult to be honest because you have to make it, it almost feels like you have to keep making the connections like you do in an escape room you you know you find something you're like okay i found this weird puzzle piece but i have no idea where to put it right you know but if we conveniently look at something underneath, we find that there's a convenient grid to put that item in, you know, and then being like, Oh, okay. And then you're like, Oh wait, there's a, there's a weird spot that opens up on the bottom here. That looks convenient. Like something would go there. Oh, I also have to make that connection to put that there, you know? And I think the, the game does it well in terms of how the booklet works to kind of give you hints at that, to kind of help make those connections for people who like the difficulty to kind of like keep you intrigued. But there are some more difficult puzzles and even the ones that aren't like, uh, me big brain puzzles you know like some of the ones where it's just manipulation of like the items like we had one that I, I really liked actually that jared was messing with for a bit um where you are trying it's basically three pieces that are tied by a string but it's one of those puzzles that you have to manipulate the items to be put in certain positions to move the string around so you can un, un you know unchain all of it together and i thought that was really cool but i mean when i watched jared do it or i could understand from someone else's point of view that could be frustrating because you just sit and you're like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to manipulate the item to make this become unlocked, you know, but for someone else, I really enjoyed it. I, there was just a lot of those types of things that it wasn't made to be easy. It was very clearly designed. And I mean, they, you know, the creators who built this were very much told create a difficult game. And I think they did a good job of making the puzzles difficult for a good reason. I never felt like any of the puzzles we did were out of line, like that I questioned and it went, that didn't need to be difficult for any reason, like, or made it over complex just to make it overly complex. In my opinion, it felt like perfect for the difficulty. I, I don't know how you feel about that. I did feel like it was a difficult game. Yeah. If you look at it in terms of like a traditional escape room, in essence, there are 14 puzzles to solve. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. And about three per room is how that works out. Yeah. But one of the interesting things, and I talked about this a little bit earlier in the show is one way that I think they made the game more difficult but still doable 
is they made their input mechanism based on something that we weren't readily familiar with. And here's what I mean by that. In a regular at-home puzzle or mystery game or in an escape room, since we're talking about that, your outputs traditionally, it's getting away from this a little more, but have been a word. It's words or numbers. Words or numbers. Agreed. And it was not that in here. It was not. It was symbols. And it was symbols that you weren't readily familiar with, right? This isn't like hieroglyphics or one's a circle, one is a triangle. They are very abstract shapes that are on a cipher wheel that if you're familiar with Exit or other games by Think Fun, use this style of system to gate the answer. So what we would yeah. have to do is every room is solve three puzzles and then put them into a cipher wheel and then if we did that correctly, a couple of symbols would appear to let us know that we did it correctly. Mm -hmm. Side note, I also want to give a shout out to the creators of the cipher wheel because it had a mechanism in place where that you could slide so that you couldn't accidentally get the right answer. So it also when, made the ghost upset. It also the, the curse. Yes, it made the yeah. cursed dollhouse upset. But I thought yeah. that was a cool, was great gating feature that I want to shout out. But I think that's one of the first big ways is you're not working with familiar inputs yeah. and that really messes with you. Like in the first room, it's not like, Oh, well that kind of came into a number. Like every time we put something together or solve something, we were drawing things on pieces of paper and saying like, that looks like that. Something. Yeah. Or, yeah. Hey, is, is this on the wheel? Like I drew this shape. So yeah. it makes the input still solid state, right? Like there are symbols that exist and there's symbols that are, don't exist. It's still binary. But you had to acquaint yourself yeah. with that. And I think that's one of the ways that this game made itself more difficult. I thought they did a good job of making the puzzles more difficult as it went on. Agreed. The other thing that I think made the game difficult is the manipulatables. You yep. were folding. You were working with string. You had to position things a certain way. I think those puzzles are oftentimes more time-consuming. Yep. Number one because there is some trial and error more so versus kind of this mindset that we see in a lot of games that as soon as you can figure out the rationality for doing something, you just do the puzzle, right? And then it's mm -hmm. process versus solving. There was a lot of guess and check in this game. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of a couple different puzzles where that came into mind. Another thing that I thought was good, but not as obvious was the signposting in this game. Yes. This game had some good signposting. I'm thinking specifically of there was one puzzle with a ladder. Yep. There was another with a refrigerator and the signposting was a little more vague, but made sense without using the hints. Agreed. To me, that's one of the areas of like, can be really get me upset is the signposting. Mm -hmm. It's either non-existent or it's so vague, but it really was done well in this game. Yep. Uh, the third, the last thing I'll say is this, and we can talk, I want to talk a little bit more about this is the game had two meta puzzles. It did. It, yeah, it Th did. That is not something that we are super familiar with. Cause when you get to the end of the game, you're like, Oh, we just solved a meta puzzle swag. And then it's like, psych, a bigger meta puzzle, bigger <laughs> meta puzzle. And you're like, Oh dang. Okay. Like game on. And I think elements like that were fun. Mm -hmm. for us, but definitely add to the degree of difficulty and the time taken. Yeah, very much so. Anything that you would uh, add to that list about what makes it difficult? No, I think we covered everything with what we thought added the difficulty to it. So then let's let's talk about this. What 
Was there anything in there that you thought was on the line with flirting with like, how oh, that needed a bit more, or I could see how the average player struggled with that. Or was there any room for that in here? Because it did follow a very different set of sensibilities. There was a few. Um, there's specifically one in the kitchen that Jared and I did that I think Jared made. So the, the interesting part with the puzzle was that Jared made a connection to part of it. But I think luckily enough, I made a connection to it in a different way that helped us. But like it, it was very clear there was just some things that like the difficulty or the added difficulty that makes it either a little bit more difficult for the common player is the very small details. Yes. Like in the example with the puzzle we did was that you are trying to put items inside a fridge, um, but you learning through the other parts of the room and through secrets um, that you have to unfold. Um, you learn that there's directly a certain pattern that matters. But then also when you look at the items, they're not all the same you might find something that has the same type of item, but maybe more or less in it, you know? And for a while, like Jared was saying like this and I was like, well, clearly like this is completely different than this, you know? And then that's like, I could see someone like who's new at it. Just get, I wouldn't say I could get frustrated, frustrated, very frustrated by that. Yes. Because it's very hard to make that. Like it's a very small detail that most people would overlook. Like we overlooked it for the first minute or two minutes of the game that we did it, that puzzle. And then it, you know, it took, it clicked when I realized that they weren't all the same. And you're like, okay, well, how am I supposed to now understand how that fits? But I like said, the good part that the book does is the book does a good job of vaguely helping you realize what you're trying to do. And in that specific puzzle, it does it. Um, when we get later on into the game, there was another puzzle we ran into um, in the bathroom room. Um, the, bat- ba- the bathroom, bathroom room. room. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. And when you get in that room, there is another puzzle that kind of requires a pretty more difficult line of thinking in terms of how you follow a certain item. Very spatial. Yes. And it was intriguing because when I was doing this puzzle with Jared, I was explaining to Jared how I was doing it, but it probably looked hilarious from his point of view, watching me like move my head around <laughs> crazily around this small object that I keep like repositioning and bending to my will to understand how I'm supposed to follow there's just like you said, it's like the the manipulation of this game could be very frustrating to people because it's time consuming to like sit there and just like try to analyze this puzzle by moving it around in many different ways. That's definitely something I outside of that. I didn't have many other things that I thought were like on the line of being way too difficult because some of the other puzzles, I think the other part, which I'll make this very clear, I think people will get confused by is how much you can mess with the game. I think some people are too afraid to mess with a lot of objects or you're too, you mess with the items too much, right? Which is another escape room. Trip. Correct. It, it's hard. It's that mix of like, how much can I mess with, but not mess with it too much. What is the amount of force necessary to, to solve this puzzle? And there are a few puzzles that did require us to use. I wouldn't say more force in terms of like, yeah, I ripped the door off, you know, but like clearly it was the thing of like, we weren't messing with things to try to like move them away from the base of the game. You know, and then when we realized that we could do that, we started doing it way more because it became very clear you're supposed to do that to understand and look at an entire puzzle. But that would be frustrating, too, if you just kept feeling like you couldn't mess with it more. Agreed. And then to like realize, like I said, we realized because we we're like, that's interesting that like we found a painting at one point. And I won't tell you much about it, but we found a painting. And we we're like, there's something on like on the back of this, you know, but we didn't really make a connection. And then 
when we messed with an item later in the game, was able to move it around a lot more and mess with the base of the set. We were like, oh, this oh, does. we were supposed to be we're able to do we're that. We were supposed to be able to do that, yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. The the kind of the closing point that I want to wrap up in this middle section, because I want to get to our guests, because they're awesome, Yes, is just kind of this weird rub in the game to say, okay, this is a mass market game. It is a expert level mass market game. Mm-hmm mass market games, you're targeting the general audience, right? This game is not made for you and me. What? It's not? We are a part of the mass market, but we have, because this is like, like this is what we love. Like, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. It's different. I agree. But it's just so interesting, that concept of ranking your games. And I feel like there just becomes this inherent risk with it because I would never give this game to a first-time player. Oh, agreed. I would never. Like, this is, in my opinion, giving this game to a first-time player as a way to have them not pick up a game again. Agreed. Because there's just things that you would have had to experience before in other games or escape rooms to know what to do. Mm -hmm. And that knowledge helps Zach and I complete this and enjoy this, right? It's like like we had studied for the test, Mm -hmm. right? So just thinking through those things, I just, I want to... Say if you're, hey, if you're new to this world, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't played at least three or four escape rooms and a handful of at-home puzzle and mystery games, just wait. Don't ruin this game by playing it early in your line of games. Get some other general understandings under your belt and then this will become a much more, like a fine wine, Mm -hmm. I will say. Let it sit for a while. Let it age and then when you're ready to hop into it, this becomes a very enjoyable experience for people who would describe themselves as at least a little bit seasoned because you'll be willing to wrestle with some of the puzzles. You'll have some of the sensibilities down and you'll be able to go forward. But difficulty is always an interesting topic that Zach and I like to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. But specifically, it's super intriguing, the intersection of degree of difficulty and physicality mm-hmm. in this game. And I just wanted to have a conversation with you about that, Zach. Yep. But we're going to keep this short and sweet today because we do not want to miss out on talking to our guests in the next section. Questions for creators when we come back. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Zach, did you know that our creators today are doing something else with us? Yes, I did. I mean, you were there for the recording, right? I, I think I was, yeah. Yes, well, Zach, get your life together. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> you didn't know you were going on vacation this weekend. Okay, Jared, we're not bringing this <laughs> up now. We'll continue. But just to let you know, our creators today, Nick and Rebecca, are also going to be presenting with us at Recon. So if you love hearing from them today, you're going to love the input with some of the cool questions that we get to ask them at Recon. Come to Recon. You can come in your pajamas You can drink whatever you want. You can eat whatever you want. That's what's so great about Recon being at home this year. RealityEscapeCon.com. If you want to hear more from cool creators like Nick and Rebecca and a lot of, honestly, a lot of the other creators, if you loved hearing from Silvano from Deckscape, if you loved hearing from Michelle and Yassine from Society of Curiosities, all of these creators are going to be with us talking about some really cool things that they're working through and what's coming in the future. We hope to see you guys at Recon. Well, welcome back, guys. We are now in the part of the show that is questions for creators. 
Jared, we've already talked about this, these people a little bit who created this game. Um, we'll let them introduce themselves as well, but I'm really excited to talk to them. The bits we've talked to them in other interviews and talks and for Recon, it truly is interesting to listen to their point of view on certain subjects. They're just fun people. Like, yeah, these are the people that you want to accidentally sit down next to in a bar oh, and, and yeah. strike up a conversation with because the joy that they have about this stuff is just so apparent. And it's no wonder that they've been doing this at such a high level for such a long time. All right. Well, I hope you guys are ready because we're going to jump right into it. So tell us your name, the name of your company, and kind of tell us your origin story. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm Rebecca Blue, and uh, we're with Blue Matter Games. And I'm Nick Cravata. So what's our origin story? Origin story. I think it does go back to... Stickers. Stickers and a child. Like when my son was, what was he, six? It's five or six. So, uh, do you ever play with the like Duplos? Those are one by one Legos. They're really fun. You just put them on top of each other. They're great for two year olds because they can put their mouths on them. But for a thirty plus, they're really boring until you come up with a new game. So the the goal with, that I found as a dad was, what game can I play with my child while he's doing his thing? How can I up it? So I discovered that you could actually take Duplos and take forty two of them and make a Stargate. Like it goes big round like four feet across. You need enough Duplos. But uh, our first game actually came from Skylar wanted to play with stickers. He's like 22 now. Um, he wanted to play with stickers. And so we got all these fishy stickers and I, I had some square pieces of paper and I said, well, let's, let's make a game. And I had him put the stickers into combinations. And um, this game is actually Acuity. Uh, is, is the one on the market now. That's its title. But it was originally done with stickers and something that Skyla could do, which was put all the stickers down while I invented a game so that I had something fun to do while he played with stickers. And that was our first game. Well, we've always been passionate about puzzle games. And it was, it was kind of this interesting thing because some of our early games are very thinky. And so we started forming a really good relationship with Mindware, Think Fun, and Fat Brain, which are all kind of like thinky game companies and what's interesting what was interesting is when we came up with the game Houdini we realized um which is a a reconfigurable disentanglement puzzle um we realized just how different those companies are because they have they have yeah and so as you learn the companies and so even though they all do puzzles and and thinking games we figured that out that they are so different and and it was think fun with the escape rooms, it was Think Fun. Uh, Tanya Thompson was working at Think Fun at the time, and she had she kind of was like, "I really like this this escape room kind of concept." And at the at the time, there was like nothing on the market, and so and she was it was it was interesting in a box. So because our product was first alongside with the Identity Games one that Spin Master ended up picking up, and. Um, so, but she wanted to like hide things around in a room and stuff. And I was just like, I'm, I'm not going to want to invite people over to destroy my house. And so we, we really thought like, uh, the, other hard. Side, the other side of that was, I don't want to be the one who buys the game and I have to set everything up and then I can't play it. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm the puzzle lover. <laughs> and it, it really came down to our big pitch was this pocket knife that has never made it into any of the think fun escape games, but it was the thing that they were smitten over basically they were like wow it was this kind of articulated and it it really birthed the, the thing that's so special about think funds product is they really pull off a lot with cardboard 
It's it's amazing. Like our first our first disentanglement that we threw in and Dr. Gravely's, we we're like, oh, let's just pitch because they're they're really good. Josh over there is also like, oh, just give us everything you got. And so we throw things in and we're like, oh, they'll probably cut this. This is never going to fly. And they made it work. But I think the reason because of that is because the, the company that actually produced it, the, that makes them over in China, um, is Longshore. Long and they're shore. pretty passionate about puzzles. Way really likes escape rooms. So he makes them happen. And so it's, it, there's a lot of people coming together with love to make these rather complicated games happen. Um, it's also pretty amazing what hits the cutting floor. Uh, the, the the floor gets cut out of the game. <laughs> oh, the director's cut. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a yeah. There, uh, it's shocking to me just how much uh, we throw into these. And then, what is it? The hardest part is what we call um, making it accessible. So, uh, our first, the the original one, uh, Stargazer's Manor. Um, now that I look back on it, I, I, I just laugh to say it was probably would have been a 12 hour escape room for me. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, there were four levels. There was the tutorial level and then all the way up to the master oh, level. That's crazy. So you had to open the drawer four times, not once like you do in the game. You built the machine. It just came off the table. It was um, crazy. And, and j that's just not accessible to a mass market. Um, and so that's that's one of the hardest parts of these is figuring think out. think people are going to get it. Oh yeah, we've got one puzzle. We're we're making crack number four at getting it into a box. You know, but every time they play test it, nobody understands the puzzle. <laughs> and everybody's like, it's a really cool puzzle, but what do we need to do to cue it so that people understand what actually what the puzzle is um, without getting lost? And yeah, so fingers crossed they're they're currently play testing that one and hopefully that puzzle's gonna <laughs> stay in this time. <laughs> So I think it's important for people to understand the anthology of games that you've created, especially inside kind of the puzzle mystery world. So let everybody know all of the projects that you worked on. I, I think people listening will even be surprised that they've played some of the games and didn't know that you guys were responsible for them. Um, so Dr. Gravely's uh, retreat. retreat came after that. And that's the one that had the the disentanglements in it. It was a lot of fun to, to get those into the box. Um and then we did uh, the MacGyver escape room, um, which actually has five episodes. That was that was a crazy game. <laughs> a lot of fun to do. A lot of fun to go back and watch MacGyver and say, oh, my gosh, this was a real show. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then trying to capture that feeling. Um, we then we did a, a comic book one that got killed for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, the, the company, I think, didn't know I think what they, they were got a little scared. They we got were... scared. They didn't know what they were getting into. And when we delivered, they, I think they freaked out. Um, yeah. And that one we had all the way to art. So, yeah, that's sitting in a that's sitting in a box waiting to be revived. But since it has a license on it, we can't we can't put it out. Um, and then the dollhouse. Uh, then we did dollhouse. Um, and that actually sat for a little bit because of uh, the, the company went through. A, a, they went through a purchase. I think fun was bought by Ravensburger and there were some, some delays due to that. And, and in the meantime, we jumped uh, and did the break-in line with Play Monster, which it, it's kind of, that's, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, so there, we designed four of those. I think two have hit the market and we're actually working on the fifth one right now. Um, and that's got a license with it. That's got a movie license. So we can't talk about that one yet. 
And then um, we're we're just about to get we, samples of our. We just our, delivered four. Uh, we just delivered like four, so uh, we just uh, we're going to get samples soon in August. Uh, though the one that's uh, the escape room for eight year olds is coming out, like for little kids. It's it's intended for a younger crowd. And it's, we're super it's, it's super cool. So it's for family, but yeah. it's it's totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think this would be a great question to ask you guys because when we talk to you guys, you guys have been very honest about how you feel about what you guys do or what you've played, so on and so forth. So what was your favorite project to work on? And also, which one was your least favorite in terms of like working with the, the certain title? Well, my classic is my most favorite is always the one I'm currently working on. Mm. It's kind of an interesting thing because once they, there's this sort of abstraction because then we won't see it for like, a, you know, six months to a year. And we're like, oh, then you get the boxes. And I get all excited. It's like Christmas over here when they send us our samples. And then, you know, we kind of have a refresh on it. But as far as like favorite old time, what would you say? Well, I mean, I'll even put it in context. We finished uh, the dollhouse three years ago. And it's and, it, and this is its first year on the market, so it's it's almost hard to remember what's in the box. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, they changed that. But uh, but it, but it, I, I agree with Rebecca that it's the current one we're working on. You know, the the the, the working on the one current and currently we're working on this crazy puzzle. And and it's interesting as time passes for me because as I get more and more math healed is kind of my line. I went to the gathering for Gardner and got math healed, which is a, which is a, a whole nother story. But it was like when Rebecca realized actually like tessellations and stuff is math and, and, and that I was actually really good at it. And I've been doing it for years, but I've, it, it, because of that healing, I do a lot more puzzle, actual puzzle design. I used to, I used to say, Oh, Nick's our puzzle God, but actually I'm my uh, visual pattern, that kind of stuff. And I always have been the one jumping in on that. So the current one we're working on, it's been really cool because we sit down together and it's really the melding of two minds. And so it's this kind of interesting, like, oh, let's sit down and play together as we design out these puzzles. So that one we're wrapping up soon. And I would say right now, that's probably one of my favorites. So so some of the, the hard stuff is it's, they're not the games themselves. It's more what the um, circumstances were. So one of the, one of the projects we worked on had a really tight deadline. And it was so tight that um, the, you can tell by the end of the game that it, the quality drops because we weren't we weren't allowed to do. We, they just had to get it out. They, the door. Well, they took it over, and they took it over. They said, "Stop writing script. Just make the puzzles. Get it out." And and it shows. And um, and it was just frustrating because uh, I think that Target took away two weeks. And suddenly to lose two weeks on on development time on a, and I think we only had six weeks to start. So basically, designing the entire room in four weeks. What was it? Five. Five. That was the MacGyver one. It was five episodes. So episode one is awesome, and episode five got like, mm, it got short changed. It got short changed. Yeah. So we didn't get as much love and, and attention. And then there's the other surprise where when we deliver something and we find out the company doesn't do any play testing, <laughs> that's uh, like. Oh. Or they changed something. Actually, there was there was a, we had a couple of reprints that had to happen, and that was that was probably yeah when something gets changed and then you're like no that was actually critical to the game or the puzzle. Or somebody changes the we had a, somebody change a colorway and didn't realize that that changed answers because the colors changed and so something you know red became a purple <laughs> like so the puzzle is now unsolvable. This game has a reputation in our community of being more difficult for a mass market game. 
tell us the story of a big company coming to you and saying, hey, we want a hard game. And then you making a hard game and then the general public going, this is a hard game. What's funny is, is that it's actually about half the difficulty of what was originally delivered um, because, you know, toning some of the puzzles down and, and there's currently actually, work but, being done yeah. to, to, to shave off some of the difficulty. There's now going to be a family version of the book that gives more clues. You just so want to make hard. it so more people can enjoy it. Actually, what was really interesting too, is when we first got to, when we first created it, they were permitting us to kill the dolls off. And that they originally said we were going to get to kill the dolls. And so what would happen like, is no, you, you by would the end, them. they're like, you can't kill the dolls. You, there was a, there was a, <laughs> there was a dick. There was fun with Nick and pain, Nick and pain, Nick and, and pain. So each page of the book showed you, gave you some information about the pin the tail on the donkey uh, that you're going to play. Horrible, horrible things happened to so those pin dolls. the tail and, yeah, and, and like you climbing up the stairs, Nick, uh, Nick does terrible things to pain, pain, falls down the stairs. Uh, the original paper doll was a, you fold the paper doll up. Oh, you were, you, it you was, got no, one no, 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 it was Simon, it was yeah, Simon it was says. says. Simon says, fold this, fold this, fold this, and then says, cut. And when you cut, if you cut it wrong, you, fold it wrong, you yeah. cut his head off and the doll <laughs> dies. <laughs> And then there was also, if you didn't do that, then the, then the, then the house tells you, well, put the doll in the oven and, and you put paper. the doll in the oven. And if you didn't dress him in his little fireman's outfit, he <laughs> dies because the oven is at 451 degrees. <laughs> and um, the, the, uh, the idea was that a lot of people are completionists um, uh, and they, they wouldn't want to, they would feel yeah. somehow cheated if the dolls died, but they, they were brutal games. And if you got the puzzle wrong, your doll died. Yeah. Every time, and it, they, well, like they as were, long as you end up with one at the end, yeah. Yeah, there was the the, the Ken doll was, uh, or the, the the handsome doll was in the bathtub drowning, and the toaster would fall in and electrocute him. Yeah, there was it was, <laughs> <laughs> and the voodoo doll was really fun because he was he was you you remove a picture from the wall, and then you can see the voodoo doll looking through these eye holes, and you take the sword and you have to poke him and drag him along the wall to figure out how to get him out of the wall. And if you poke him in the heart, he's dead. So you yeah. have to figure out how to poke him without hitting his heart. I mean, Just really crazy, twisted crazy, puzzles. Crazy puzzles, though. I can see why they're like, oh, okay, kids, maybe not. <laughs> Stargazer's Manor actually used to have um, three endings. Um, so the first one was is that you would uh, rest, you would you'd build a machine, and you'd, you'd get to find the stargazer, uh, I mean, the astronomer. And then um, the, the, the boiler's gonna blow. I think that's still in the game and you, and you stop that. But then when you fix everything, he gives you the opportunity to go into the machine and use it yourself. And, and the original disc had seven locations on it and one of them had diamonds and another one had this big tentacle. And so it was an optional, it, it, it basically made it really clear that you were gonna lose the game if you went for this because we were gonna give you a really hard puzzle if you wanted to go for it. And you would choose, you would use the machine and you would go to the different zones trying to get to the diamonds. And it was a brutal puzzle because unless you got everything perfect, the tentacles would come and burst into the world and Cthulhu would destroy the world. <laughs> <laughs> that got cut. So one of the most interesting things about you guys from being in a mass market world is you just have a lot of advice and experience, you know, interacting with bigger companies or with a bigger audience. So I think with a lot of the things that you guys have acquired over the years and knowledge, what is some like general advice you would give to creators, maybe in the indie space or to anyone that helped them on their way as well? 
I would say don't get too wrapped up in perfection, but put your best self forward. So it's one of those things that I look at my prototypes from 10 years ago, and today's prototypes just look so much more slick. But if I would have had that hold me back, we would never have been as prolific as we've been. But that being said, it's learn your tools. So it's like, you know, learn vector, like Illustrator, when I had to switch over from Photoshop to Illustrator, it was a huge, like, it was really difficult to make that change, but you know, it was necessary. And now it's like, he's like, I don't understand how quick you can do everything. And so, but it was time consuming. So, but I'd say is constantly be learning uh, new skills to your trade and 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 put your best self forward it it all and all the companies used to say oh you guys don't have to make the prototypes look this good when you're pitching your ideas and i was always like yes we do because when you build something out there's so many things you learn in the process of creating an actual like as close as possible playable prototype yeah there's nothing quite like having something that works and then the paper thickness changes and it stops working <laughs> It's just a like, whoa. Oops. Yeah, because I'll 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 be working with you know just regular letter paper, and then when Rebecca prints it on thicker paper with a gloss, then it sticks and it doesn't work. And we had to we had a, a puzzle. We had to re. I had to spend two more days revising it to make it work. But it made it better. Made a lot better. My my advice is is focus. Um, be passionate. Is make the game you love. It's not about building the best game. For me, it's not about building the best game or rushing through. When, when it becomes deadlines, it becomes when the deadline is looming and I think about the deadline, that's when it becomes work. And that's when I start thinking, what puzzle can I throw in here to be done? And when I'm in the passion, it's, okay, where am I starting? And I want to spend two days, three days on a single puzzle and riffing it out. There's, there's a, there's a in, in the, the, the next uh, Think Fun one, we have number four, there's a desk puzzle that took me a week of solid work to figure out the original idea was complex and it got more and more simple and simple and simple and then it became elegant. And that was gorgeous. And the original idea would have been uh, clunky, it would have worked, but it would have been finicky and it would have been, you know, half the people would have been like, I don't really understand what's going on here. But it was, it was delightful to have the time and to put the passion in to just take it to a couple new levels. Um, and that's what makes them fun is that that's, that's where somebody, you know, I, I love it when somebody says, wow, that was really cool. <laughs> we have our other advice too. Which is? Buy a hot tub. Buy a hot tub, yeah. <laughs> have your hot tub. That's, that's our necessary creative. We, we sit in a hot tub and we're like, we're hashing this out until we come up with a solution. It is key to our creative process. It's crazy to say that, but it really is key to our we actually process. We actually put that, uh, a company had us talk about the creative process and that was our first slide was, a hot tub. That's where your creativity comes in, and which is odd in a business environment. Well, think of a hot shower, though. You're all relaxed in the hot shower, and then all these ideas start flowing. Hot tub's the same thing. Well, and, there, and there's something else to it. Is it's, since there's no paper in the hot tub, ideas flow, and you know, the, a so lot of the good, three, a lot yeah. of good ideas go away. And I can remember three things. That's my list. And I can't remember anything. So, so we <laughs> we go until we have three ideas, and if a fourth one comes up, we have to figure out which no, one no. am I going to forget. So we, we walk, a or B. Yeah. yeah, which one, which one will be dumb because otherwise I'll lose them all. But that's, it's, it allows us to, um, we're not stuck on the idea. I mean, a, a good part of, of like escape room design is to, you know, they say, kill your darlings in writing. Sometimes 
the favorite puzzle just doesn't fit or there's something that fits better or, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. and, and being able to be open to just what is that next idea? And I mean, really, I guess you have to throw away way more than you put in. You don't have to, we do. We throw away a lot. Are we, well, we, we, can refile it. It. we file it. We file it away. We do have a, a, a big collection of ideas. Yeah. yeah. We know you guys have some cool projects coming out in the future. Can you tell us anything? Are we going to all get sued if you tell us some things? Anything that you could tell us would be great. So breaking, um, there was a bit of a hiccup in uh, how it was launched. Um, so there's there's two that are coming out in the United States. Two came out. One is breaking Alcatraz, and the other is Area 51. There's two more of them that are going to be released in other countries um, first. They're gonna they're gonna let them out there. So those are um, there's one with. Paris with the Eiffel Tower uh, that we're super excited about. That's really gorgeous. And then um, Chichen Itza, which uh, that's got some really nice surprises in it as well. We're currently working on, they're rebranding the line in the States and that one's getting a movie license on it. So we can't talk about that. But you could probably think what's coming out next year and go, oh yeah, it's probably that. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, that would make a great there's a lot. There's that a would lot make a great break in, yeah. So, yeah. so that's exciting, and, and it's and it's really neat to have done a number of them to understand how we can adjust the system, and and really focus on what makes, I, I guess, because we've done enough escape rooms, we've done enough things well and enough things wrong to start understanding what we can do to just really fine tune mm -hmm. the process. And we had a major epiphany actually to to share for our escape room designers out there is our major epiphany. And it's the one we mentioned, the one of the, the kids one that we're bringing out, but I think it crosses over to mass as well is with playtesting, because um, kids are more transparent uh, about their thoughts on, on things. And what we realized is that people much rather discover than solve. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subtle thing, but with kids in particular, they'll get up and walk away if they're made to be feeling stupid. They're like, this is hard. I don't want to do this. And so it's like, how do you ride that line of discovery where they're actually, they're solving, but it's more on a discovery point. And with mass, I think that's been, you know, some of the pushback on dollhouse because that people felt it was too hard. And, and, and so it's like, okay, how do you sort of get it where people can discover more and then i think they're the the puzzles become more accessible yeah i mean like for example logic puzzles you can buy books of logic puzzles so it just you know an escape room that's filled with a logic puzzle and a crossword and and a you know it, it's just a series of puzzles um doesn't that if you don't like that kind of puzzle you're not going to like that kind of puzzle but if there's a way to discover that wait what is this puzzle and then you discover what you need to do whether it's hard or not isn't what's important it was the uh -huh. the aha moment and and that that loveliness that comes with that um so we're focusing more on that discovery than the solving so we have a, a the kids one coming out and then we have quite a few what do you call them edge genre yeah edge stuff so you're talking about the jigsaw yeah well the jigsaw and the other one which yeah we well so uh so one of them is um uh, a murder mystery jigsaw puzzle uh it's uh, called The Art of Murder. 
And the, the company came to us with that and said, can you write the story for this? And so we had to put our own spin on it. And we wanted to flip the genre over on its head. So the, the, the plot of it, we basically, you, you, do, again, a, you, can talk you about do it. He said you can talk yeah, about it. Yeah, you do a jigsaw right. puzzle. <laughs> and it comes with, I think, one large jigsaw puzzle and five smaller evidence jigsaw puzzles and, mm -hmm. and some case files. Mm -hmm. And the premise on the game is that there's a, a gallery owner who um, is, everybody hates him. He's a, he's a total jerk. But he's put together a show called The Art of Murder and brings together six murder artists. Everyone does, this guy paints with blood. This person uh, deals with human remains um this person builds sculptures that have pokey things and participatory pain sculptures they're called and when the show opens uh, at 7 p.m on a friday night or saturday friday night everybody walks in and the gallery owner is impaled on the sculpture and the sculpture artist said i did it i killed him and then the other five artists within the next two minutes all say no i killed him so, so, so all the suspects are claiming to have committed the murder. And so you have to reverse it. You have to actually prove that they didn't commit the murder to figure out who did commit the murder. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but yeah. Because, of course, their art's going to go up in value when they claim that they're a murderer, right? So it, it, it was yeah. delightful fun. But the, the problem with uh, those kinds of projects is you need photos. So... We needed somebody who was going to be impaled on the on the sculpture. Guess and, who got impaled on the sculpture? Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, honey, guess who you get to be? <laughs> and then, and then our 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 child. They are um, one of them. So it's almost like a family portrait. The puzzle. So we're looking, and that's with university games. And I, we can't wait to get that one. Just because. And it was it was such okay. fun to uh, my my niece um, niece Neff. niece Neff. They they made they did the <laughs> photography and brought the, the blood. So it was this beautiful recipe of honey, chocolate, and red food coloring. So I'm, I'm, they're setting me up and, and put a bunch in my mouth and it's like, wow, I could actually swallow this. This is good. And, and so we're, we, we did like a half hour photo shoot with me with this spike sticking out of my chest and blood all over the place. And, and, I, and I had a flashback like I was Peter Cushing and, and I thought, oh, they had so much fun making all those B movies. You know, it's like, okay, get the serious face and then laugh your ass off. It's like, okay, you ready for the serious face again? Okay, make the creepy face. Ah! It was a total I, hoot. And the question we ask everyone, what are you guys playing? It could be a video game. It could be a board game. It could be, you know, any of those types of things. What are you guys currently playing that you'd recommend to other people? The Crew. I love The Crew, the game The Crew. It's not an escape room, but it's a, it's a, a play together with a bunch of folks kind of game. What else? I just picked up Mind Management, um, and it's a pricey game. Uh, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but it looks like it's got a, a simple, it, it's got a simple level of the game where you're uh, one play, it's a one versus many game. And, um, but it comes with 14 expansions that you break out as, as you get your butt kicked, you get a new expansion. So, I'm intrigued as to what they're going to throw in the box. It's it's it reminds me of Cosmic Encounter, which has a very simple gameplay and then tons of rule breaking powers that just shake the game to a whole different dimension. Um, every every rule changes the game incredibly, mm -hmm. and how they all work together. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that one goes. Yeah, and actually, we just discovered a cool place too. We might as well give a we we were we went out to Fourth of July out on the the desert. And then on the way back, we stopped in Reno and there's a great 
game uh, beer bar. Yeah, the glass die. The glass die, and and he is a huge supporter of um, Kickstarter games, and that's where we got the one that you just talked about. Yeah, but he's got a thousand games that you can. Uh, you can drink beer and play lots of games. Play games. You have to make a reservation. Yeah, Otherwise, but, the tables are gone. <laughs> but it, it was a super fun. Yeah, it was. It so was as really far fun. as like an environment to play into, I have to say that that, that was top notch. Yeah. yeah. We just want to thank you guys so much for coming on the show. We're excited to be partnering with you guys at Recon. Mm-hmm. Go to Recon. Yes. Go check it out. There, like, and don't come for us. There's much more qualified speakers and great speakers beyond us that are out there. But if you love us, we would love to have I was you. Say if you come, you should come to our panel. And listen to the great creators, but you don't have to listen to me or Jared. We're just kind of there <laughs> to moderate it. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm just honored to have you guys on the show, and we look forward to some of those projects that you talked about in the future. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in looking at their games and what's out there, they are all over Amazon. Go to Amazon, yep. search Curse Dollhouse. You'll find all the other games that they have. And you'll see in the future some games out there in the future and probably some of your local familiar stores. For us, come to Recon to see us. We would love to see you there. And anything else that you can do. One thing that we've never asked for before is, hey, you should go to the wherever you're listening to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. That would be super helpful. Some of you have done that already. We want to say thank you so much. But if this, if you've enjoyed this, if this has been a benefit to you, then it would mean a lot for us for you to just go there, go to Apple, go to Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and leave a positive review if you are enjoying this podcast. Other than that, subscribe to us. Put us on a regular download schedule. We love when people say to us, like, yeah, every week our phone dings with a new episode, and we're like, oh, that's cool. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's really, really inspiring. You can find us at puzzlingcompany.com or just at Puzzling Company on any of the popular social media sites. Zach, what is going on with us as we start a new month? Yeah, it's interesting what's about to come up. You could say we're going to be messing with time a little bit, you could say. And murder. (gasps) You could say we could wind the clock, or I could become the The clock clock winder. winder. If you have no idea what we're talking about, that's okay. This is a brand new game from a brand new creator named Jack McNulty. And I'm honestly in awe of him because he decided in the midst of becoming a doctor in the middle of medical school that he was going to make a game. Yep. So just mind boggling. But I'll save more of that for next week. But just know that's that's coming at you at the start of August. But that's really going to wrap it up for Zach and I. Thank you to everybody who's been supporting us. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next week. For Jared and Zach, this is Puzzling Company. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.